All right. Anyway, okay, First Peter chapter 2. Um, so last Christmas, what, what we do at Christmas time with my family is we all gather at my parents' place, like probably many of you have or, or do. Um, we, we gather in my parents' basement, and now with all the kids and grandkids, and we have several, like my, my cousin and her family is there as well, and so we have about 30 people gathered in my parents' basement. And so last Christmas... Um, we were, we were going through the gifts and, you know, when we were younger and the kids were younger and there were a few of them, it's like, okay, let's hand out one at a time and everybody opens theirs kind of individually and every, show everybody what you got sort of a thing. But with, with 30, with close to 30 people there now, it's not exactly a free for all, but it's a little more, okay, let's hand out several gifts. You guys can open it up. And while these people are talking. And so one of my nephews, um, was given a gift by my cousin, um, and it's, it's kind of one of those gag gifts. Um, and some of my family members like spicy things. All right. So th- this gift that he got was like, it was just a single, like, like, um, Doritos type chip, but it was very spicy and the labels are all over the container and everything. And, and so he received this, opened it up and most of us like were talking amongst each other and weren't really paying attention. And before we knew it, um, he had opened it up instead of like reading the label and that sort of thing first, you know, and or taking a little taste or a little piece. He just stuck the whole thing in his mouth, chewed it up and swallowed. And so uh, shortly thereafter, um, his eyes were watering. His throat was burning. His mouth was burning. Um, and he was started just chugging as much milk as his stomach could take um, with this 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 chip that. The warnings are all over the labels. But anyway, um, he, he was just, um, it was just something that he did. And, and we can look back and laugh on it now. At the time, it's like, okay, do we need to go to the hospital or is there something else we need to do? But we can look back on that. But as we come to First Peter chapter 2 here today, um, Peter instructs us to have a craving for God's word. But it won't make your eyes water. It won't make your throat burn. But as, but it will, as Peter says, it will grow us up into salvation, into who God wants us to be. And so as we look at first Peter chapter two, verses one through three here, um, it begins by saying so, or therefore depends what translation, if you, if you're looking at the, uh, new American standard Bible, it says, therefore, uh, here in my ESV, it says, so. And right away, this first word, um, Peter tells us to look back at what he had previously written. The conjunction so or therefore tells us that what was just said was important for what is about to be said. Or in other words, Peter's saying, hey, you remember last week's sermon when Pastor Todd preached? All right, that's important. All right. So if you weren't here last week or if you've forgotten that, uh, let, let's quick do a quick overview of first Peter chapter one um, that we finished up last week Um, in first Peter chapter one. We find Peter excitedly praising God because God has caused us to be born again into his family through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus. And in doing so, we are no longer citizens or children of this world, but we're aliens. That is, we're, this is not our final home. This world is not our home um, or our citizenship. 
And because we are born into his family, we are to become like him. That is, we are to imitate his holiness and no longer mimic the citizens or the character of this world. And finally, last week we talked about how we are to love, love, love one another from a pure and sincere heart through the living and abiding word of God. And so as we open up chapter two here, uh, this very first word, therefore, or so, points us back to all that was said. And with that in mind, Peter says, with all with all this in mind from chapter one, he says, put away all malice, all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And so everything in chapter 1 kind of leads up to where we are here at the beginning of chapter 2. All right, and so immediately in the beginning of chapter 2, Peter gives us this command to put away, or as the New American Standard says, putting aside. Some translations say, rid yourself. Or the King James says, laying aside. This word has the idea of taking off a garment. This word is used in chapter 7 when um, Stephen is doing all kinds of uh, signs and miracles among the Jews in Jerusalem and, and spreading the name of Jesus around. And the religious leaders are getting angrier and angrier and more frustrated with these, these Christians that are, that are kind of like taking their their people that are supposed to be listening to them and they're listening to these guys like Stephen about what God is doing. And so they get so frustrated with Stephen, they take him out to stone him. All right. And what they do is it says they they took off their outer garment. All right. And laid it at the feet of Saul so that they could, you know, you take off your outer garment so you have better throwing motion uh, for stoning. It's that same word of taking off, peeling off. It's like in the winter, right? When snow comes, then it's coming. All right, we might try to deny it. We might try to want to hold it off as long as possible, but we know that snow is coming. And so after the snow falls this, this winter, um, what do you do? We, we get bundled up and we go outside. And if you're like me, the older you get, the colder you get. I don't know what, what's with that, but I think I'm into three layers, like a T-shirt, a hooded sweatshirt, and then a big heavy jacket. All right. I think that's, I don't know if that resembles a certain age bracket, but uh, that's where I'm at. Um, and so you get all bundled up and layered up and then you head outside. And what's the first thing adults that we think of now, the kids, the kids are thinking what they're thinking, snowballs, snowball fights, snowmen, sledding, all that adults. What's our first thought? We walk outside driveway and sidewalks, right? And usually along with that is I got to get there before the kids trample it down and make it harder, right? All right. At least that's that's the way I think I got to get up early on a snowy morning so I can shovel the driveway before the kids walk all over it and it gets harder to shovel. All right. Boy, boy, how things change as you get older. But anyway, so you get out there and you're like, OK, I grab the shovel and you start shoveling. But shortly after you start shoveling, you stop. Why is that? What's that? <laughs> you're old. OK, you're old. That's that's. That's true. Okay. That wasn't the answer I was looking for, but, <laughs> um, 
you, you stop because you're getting warm, right? You're getting uncomfortable. All of a sudden, all these layers that you put on, you know, are uncomfortable and they restrict what you're trying to do. And so just like in the snow and in the winter, Peter is telling us to peel off these sins that are that are restricting what our calling is in being holy as God is holy, in loving one another as God's word calls us to do. In a sense, our sins are that comfortable, warm clothing that we have on that that now as children of God is restricting us for what God is calling us to do. All right. And so Peter tells us we need to peel off these sins, take these sins off. And he lists us several sins and we're going to look at them briefly. He says this. He says, um, uh, first of all, he, he wants us to rid ourselves of all malice. Now, Google Dictionary, no, we don't go to, I mean, I don't go to Webster much anymore. It's just, there's a Google bar. You just pop the word in there and it gives you a definition, which is so easy. So the Google Dictionary defines malice as the intention or desire to do evil, which is, is biblically accurate because in other places in the New Testament, the Greek word for malice is literally translated evil or wickedness. All right, so Peter wants us to rid ourselves of this evil or wickedness of having um, ill intentions toward people, malice toward others. All right, secondly, we have deceit um, or guile, as the King James puts it, meaning trickery or falsehood, making someone think or believe something that is not true, often about other people. All right, third, he says, there, there's hypocrisy or insincerity. That is the masking of inward evil by an outward show of righteousness. You know, Jesus often called the Pharisees and other religious leaders out on this. This was one of their, their struggles. Their primary struggle was being their outward actions looked good, right? But inward, their hearts were evil. Inward, they had the e- evil, wicked, sinful motivations driving them. Peter tells us hypocrisy is something that we need to peel off. Fourth is envy. That is wanting what others have. Instead of des- desiring what is best for others, envy hopes for, their de- for others' downfall or prefers self-advancement over the good of others, wanting what others have. And fifth, we see the word slander, and that's speech that harms or is intended to harm someone else's reputation or character. Now, Peter is not being exhaustive in his list here uh, of sins here, but he's explaining in more detail what is involved in loving one another earnestly, like, like he concluded chapter one with. In order to love others, we must put away attitudes and habits which are harmful to others. Okay, I cannot love as I am called to if I hold malice in my heart towards someone. I can't love as I was called to if I deceive others. I can't love as I am called to if I am masking an inward evil with outward righteous looks. I can't love as I am called to if I envy them in my heart. And I can't love if, as I'm called to if I slander others with my words. So again, Peter's not being comprehensive, but he's saying, hey, here's, here's some examples of what it's like. We can't, these things are not compatible. All right. 
Um, it's a sampling of sins that restrict us from properly living a holy life and loving those around us as God has commanded. So just like the layers of clothing that restrict us and make us feel uncomfortable while snow shoveling, our sin that once that we once felt comfortable and warm and at home in, in our life before Christ, should make us uncomfortable and re- feel restricted toward the new calling we have after being born again into God's family. After we've been forgiven by Christ and called to be holy. And so right away here in verse chapter in chapter two, verse one, Paul gives us these put off, peel off these sins. Um, As we as we look into verse two, um, let me quickly point something out that if you have an ESV Bible like I do or possibly the Christian Standard Bible in your lap um, at the end of verse one, you'll see a period. Right. But if you have a, a New American Standard Bible or, or KJV, what do you have? There's a there's a comma there. OK. OK. In the original Greek, verses one through three are all one sentence. They're all one thought. So we're, we're going to go with the New American Standard KJV um, comma punctuation here. Um, and, and we'll notice that these two verses are connected thoughts. And we'll look at that in a moment once we look at at verse two. A little bit here, but and we'll come back to see how are these. We'll ask the question: How are these two connected? All right, verse two says, "Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk." Now Peter uses an illustration here that most people can probably relate to, right? Whether you have children or not, or it's been a while since you've had an infant or maybe some of you parents, maybe dads have kind of blocked out that time period in your kid's life, you know, when they were an infant and seemed to cry a lot. But we all know that babies like or they have a longing for milk. They don't care what time of day or night, right, for that matter, um, or if you're busy or whatever you're doing, uh, when they are hungry, they will let you know. And then like other children, you don't have to guess what they want to eat, right? If it's an infant, it's not like, oh man, the baby's hungry. What does he want? Mac and cheese? Does he want a hot dog? You know, it's, it's obvious. Okay. They want milk. All right. They have a longing for it. In fact, our four-year-old Riley kind of has the same craving. Like that's all she wants to drink. We will offer her water. We're like water's good for you. I don't want water. I want milk. All right. How about apple juice? Apple juice has good flavor too. I don't want apple juice. I want milk. Sometimes she'll even take regular milk over chocolate milk. Like, hey, you want you want chocolate milk? It's got chocolate in. It. No, I just want regular milk. Okay. She doesn't get that from my side of the family. Just just so you know. Okay. Um, but that's what uh, the same is true of newborn babies. They have a longing for milk. We all know this. So Peter draws on this analogy and says, be like babies in in this one way. Okay, so this is your one chance to act like a baby. All right. To have a longing for the pure spiritual milk, the ESV and New American Standard Bibles for the word here says uh, it says long for Uh, other translations say desire. The NIV says crave. This word here, this Greek word, implies a strong desire or craving for something. Paul uses this word multiple times in his letters 
as he lets his readers know that he longs to see them again. All right. Throughout Paul's letters, as he is away from these churches that he planted or the the, um, spiritual brothers and sisters that he is close to and he writes to them, he says, boy, I long to see you. I'm longing to meet up with you. All right. And if you've ever seen like those the chick flick movies or whatever, when the the guy and the girl have been away from each other for a while and, you know, he's coming back on the airplane and she's at the airport and they kind of run across and they kind of slow motion it, run across the the screen to see each other and they're tripping over people and pushing people out of the way. You know, it's that because there's a longing there to be back together. All right. That's the same word that Peter's using here is have a longing for the word. Now, if you notice, as I read out of the ESV or even the NIV, it says long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow. But again, let me ask you some of the other translations. What is the what is your translation for long for the pure spiritual milk? What? Of the word. Does somebody have of the word? Okay. Um, I think the New American Standard Bible or the King James says long for the pure spiritual milk of the word. So what's going on here? All right. Are, the, are these translations, some of them just adding words or some taking words away? Well, well, the Greek literally reads spiritual pure milk. Long for that. By it, you may grow. So. Do some like translations. Oh, do they add then the word? Well, yes and no. But because Peter is referencing again, he's referencing back. Remember that. So that therefore he's referencing back to what he had just said. And unlike me, maybe Peter doesn't like to continually repeat the same thing over and over again. And since the end of chapter one, he was talking about God's word, God's living word, whereby is how we are supposed to live. And so he implies here that this pure spiritual milk is that word. So whether you have a translation that has by the word in there or of the word um, or not, Peter's implication is the word to is clear that it's instructing us to have a hunger for God's word. Why is that? Well, Peter goes on to say that by it, you may grow up into salvation. Just as babies need milk in order to grow up and mature, Christians need the word of God actively working in their lives to grow in spiritual maturity. As Pastor Todd said last week in reference to chapter 1, verse 22, obedience to the truth purifies our souls. The more we read the word of God and apply it, the more sin flees from our life. All right. So verse two, um, Peter's telling us, hey, like newborn babies, you need to have a longing, a craving for God's word so that you can grow up just like babies needing milk. Have to have milk. If you don't give them milk, they're not going to grow. They're not going to mature. Same thing is the Christian with the word of God. So let's take a moment now and go back to that statement about the connecting thought between these two verses, right? It's all one complete thought. Um, How are we to, how are these two verses connected? In fact, if we look closely, we might consider it odd, 
uh, that verse one is in there because back, remember back 22 and 25 from last week, past, you know, talking about God's word. Peter's encouraging us to sincerely love others from the bottom of our hearts and, and live by God's word. And in verse two, he's, he's telling us to crave the word of God. Why then is there, does he just throw this list of sins in there that we're supposed to get rid of? You know, is Peter just saying, okay, do this and don't do this, do this, don't do this. Is, is that what Peter is trying to tell us or is there something more? And I think because that it's, these verses are all one thought shows us that there is something more that he's trying to indicate here. There is something I think that has to do with the idea of having a longing or a craving. All right. In our house. So in our house, um, our, our kids are actually pretty good about eating their vegetables. Uh, again, not from my side of the family. Um, but there are certain vegetables that each kid really doesn't like. But they know that if, if Becca makes dinner and she puts that certain vegetable out there, um, if they don't eat that vegetable, there will be no, what, dessert later, right? No snacks, no dessert later if you don't eat your vegetable. All right. And so the question inevitably comes up. So maybe this happens in your home. The question inevitably comes up. What question comes up? How much? How much? All right. So how many of these vegetables do I have to eat in order to get to the cake? All right. How many of these so I can get here? That they do get from my side of the family. <laughs> um, I, uh, in fact, I asked Becca that last week. How many of these carrots do I have to eat in order to... No, nah, I'm just kidding. I didn't have to do that. She's not the boss of me. No. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to stick to my notes, actually. Um, <laughs> the real craving I want is for what? The cake, the dessert at the end. That's what I crave. That's what I look forward to feeding, that craving. Um, or how many of you parents maybe have ever done this? Uh, and if you have, let me know. I want to be a part of your family. But how many of you have ever said, okay, tonight we're actually going to do dessert first. All right, so everybody sit down at the table. We're getting out the cake, the ice cream. All right, everybody have first. Anybody wants seconds on the cake, on the ice cream? Okay, now we're going to get out the main course, all right? We're going to get out the vegetables, the fruits. How many of you, anybody actually do that? Because I want to come over. Um, no. Uh, why is that? Because when you get to the good food, what you're supposed to crave, what, what's helpful, what, what will help you grow, there would be no appetite, right? And so if I am a Christian and I harbor malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander, or any other number of sins in my heart, that is the craving that I am feeding. And guess what I won't have a true craving for? God's word. God's word. And so the fact that these two verses are connected is telling us that there is a craving that we are feeding when we harbor sin in our heart, when we don't peel it off as Peter instructs us to. Now, I might get up and read the Bible faithfully every day, every morning, and, and hold it open on Sundays. But the truth is, if I have sin in my heart that I am unwilling to put away, to get rid of, to peel off, uh, I am just eating the minimum amount of vegetables to get to the cake, the thing that I have a true appetite and craving for. 
So let's remember, Peter is speaking to exiles, right? He's speaking to Christians that have kind of been scattered, right? Because of persecution, everything going on. And the early Christians, they they suffered a lot of persecution. Often we think when we hear persecution, the first thing that we think of is getting arrested and and killed, you know, executed, thrown into the lion's den or, or whatever, right? But there was a, persecution extended much further than that, all right? When you became a Christian, you, you basically rejected your family's traditional religion, right? Oftentimes, you got kicked out of your house. If you're like, hey, you're going to follow Jesus, you're not hanging with us anymore, all right? And so there goes your family connections, all right? Oftentimes, in the communities, like their religion was part of their community, like their city or whatever, had their God or this religion that they followed. And if you became a Christian, well, your business is going to get tanked, right? Nobody's coming to you for carpentry work or stonemason work or anything like that. So all of a sudden now you're losing your job. You're losing your income. Um, You're also getting persecuted by your political leaders as well. All right, so if we were to take an in-depth look at what some of these Christians were going through as they were being persecuted, as they were suffering, facing hard times, um, we might be tempted to say that they have a right to have malice toward those political leaders that take advantage of them. Or they have a right to envy their neighbors who aren't Christians and can go about life business as normal when my business has basically been shut down because nobody likes my religion. Um, or we might think they have a right to have malice and toward others and slander a family member who has kicked them out for no reason other than, hey, I'm following Jesus now, and I want you guys to follow Jesus too. If we're honest, we might think, boy, they, you know what, maybe they have a case, right? Maybe they have a case to hold on to some of these anger sins, these sins that, that are, keep us from loving each other, that keep us from being holy as God is holy. And so Peter is telling us that that's not so. We can't harbor, we can't hold on to them. There is no room in the Christian's heart for any of these sins listed here or any other sins because to feed those sins is to feed that craving. And it will destroy your craving for God's word. Why? Because God's word tells us we have no right to hold on to those sins and we aren't going to want to hear that because we honestly don't want to stop feeling feeding those th- sins because oftentimes we what we feel comfortable in those sins we may think if i give up my malice my anger my slander etc toward such and such a person who hurt me and sinned against me and if i have to forgive them then they might sin sin against me again what's keeping them from sinning against me again and yes, depending on who they are, it's, it's likely that people will sin against you again. Or if I say, if I, if I forgive so-and-so who did such and such to me, and they will get away with it. And the truth is, in this life, they may get away with it. Or you don't know what they've done to me. You don't know how, I've, how I was treated. I have a right to be malicious toward them, a right to be hip- hypocritical in the way I live, a right to slander them for what they've done. When we feel this way about our sin, we can't possibly have a craving for God's word that Peter is calling us to because God's word and the Holy Spirit through God's word convicts us of our sin 
as John 16, 8 says. When we honestly look into God's word, it's going to come at us and it's going to say, that shouldn't be there. That shouldn't be there. Peel that off. Peel that off. And it's only when we humble ourselves before God and no matter how much it hurts, peel off these sins and forgive others, can we, can we and will we have a real craving for God's word? Because truth is, when we honestly deal with some of our sins that have been there for so long, and we've been feeding them for so long, that it feels like we're giving up a piece of ourselves. And that's when we need God and his word the most, because we feel incomplete. And again, if we were to look back into some of the early Christians and their lives and how their lives were just torn apart, we might be like, oh man, it's okay if you're angry at that person or angry at people or malicious toward people or slandering those people that did you wrong. But Peter here says, hey, that's not true. That's not possible. If I give up these sins, I may be giving up leverage on, over someone who has hurt me. Now I feel vulnerable. That's when we realize, God, I need you. I can't do this without you. And we gain a real craving for him and his word, and necessarily so that we may be able to grow, truly grow as followers of God. When we truly give up our sin, we realize, man, I'm missing something in myself. I need to fill that with something, and it's God and his word is the only thing that can do that. Unfortunately, though, if we don't peel off these sins... It is why some people have been Christians for years and have never really grown in their walk with God or grown up spiritually because they are unwilling to part with these sins. And that's why Peter tells us that we need to rid ourselves of our sin and develop a true craving for the word of God that is able to grow us up in our Christian life. Peter continues in verse 3, he says this, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. This verse is quoted from the, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which was called the Septuagint. So those early um, Christians or uh, Israelites actually in that time had a translation because Greek was the common language then. So they took the Hebrew Bible and translated that into Greek. And so this verse is a quotation from Psalm 34, 8, which says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. You know, Peter will again quote Psalm 34 later on in chapter 3. So maybe this was, maybe this was Peter's um, morning devotions. You know, he was reading his morning devotions. He opened up to Psalm 34. He's like, oh, that's really good. That can go right into my letter. Um, because Psalm 34 was written by David uh, after he had been displaced, he had been pursued, he had been persecuted. So likely Peter found similarities between David and the exiles he was writing to. And this idea of tasting the Lord speaks of one's experience. All right. These Christians were not living off of hearsay. They were living off of what they experienced, the goodness of God that they had experienced for themselves. Christian, um, the goodness of God should be a motivation for us to trust him, even though enough to put away sin, as Peter says, and to have a longing to be sustained by his word. 
So here in the beginning of First Peter chapter 2, we find these two verses, these three verses that are, are intimately connected, I believe. That there is Peter saying, hey, we got to put off, we got to peel off all these sins in our lives. We got to put them away. Because then we can have a real craving for God's word that's able to grow us up to who we are supposed to be, who God wants us to be. Um, so as I wrap up uh, this morning, um, when I was in high school, our youth group uh, went on a missions trip to Arizona uh, to assist some of our missionaries out there who were working on the reservation among the Apache Indians. Um, and after we were there for a week, and after a week of interacting with the people, helping out with uh, you know the kids, doing some kids programs, stuff like that, uh, passing out tracts, that sort of thing. And after helping out with projects around their compound, um, cleaning some things up, that sort of thing. And after studying the Bible with your friends and peers, uh, it was just a very spiritually building, spiritually maturing time and experience. And so I decided to kind of commemorate that, to remember that. By I, I bought a new Bible and I had everybody on the trip kind of put their name in the front leaf and then like a, a favorite verse or just a, a memory of the trip or some, some sort of saying or something. And I distinctly remember that one of our adult chaperones, um, what he wrote in the Bible, in that Bible, he wrote this, he wrote this phrase. It says, this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. This book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. Now, I know it wasn't original to him because I've, I've seen it elsewhere since then, but it has stuck in my mind with me in my mind over all these years. And it still rings true today that this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. And so as we see Peter here addressing, hey, let's let's peel off, let's get rid of these sins and let's have a craving for God's word. Those two things are connected. And so as just as when we're out shoveling, you know, and we get uncomfortable and we're restricted by these, the, the clothing we had put on so that we were warm and comfortable. Our sins, we have to peel those off because we cannot we cannot grow as God wants us to grow. We cannot um, have a craving for his word as he wants us to crave his word when we have these things on. So as believers, as Christians, let us ask God to help us peel these things off. Give us a craving for his word that we may be able to grow because we have tasted that he is so good. God is so good. Again, the beginning chapter one was all about Peter saying, hey, God is great because of this, because of what he's done, because of who he is. All right. We've tasted that. We've 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 tasted the goodness of the Lord. So let's follow him and Peter's instruction here today in peeling off, getting rid of those sins and getting a craving for his word. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.